0: Alright, guys, so we're going to finish up Malachi today. So let's talk about where we are, though. We're going to look at chapter 2, verse 17, through chapter 4, verse 6. And again, Malachi is going to be addressing the supposed questions from the people concerning their complaints about God. And so the first one is going to be uh, that God is wearied, that he is... Uh, Exasperated would be another one, okay? God's exasperated with the people of God. What do you mean? Well, let's look at verse 17, last verse of chapter 2. Here's what the prophet writes You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them, or by asking, where is the God of justice? All right, so what's going on here? Well, first of all, the Lord expresses that the people have wearied him with their complaints. So when he says with their words, basically what he's talking about is their complaints. And, you know, you can complain to God, but there's a point where God kind of like gets tired of it. So tell me something. Do you get tired of people complaining to you all the time? Do you? Okay, do you get tired if they're complaining about the same thing over and over again? You know, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, So do you understand how God feels? Like it sucks the energy out of you, right? You're like, oh no, there's that guy or there's that person coming again. Same old thing, you know what I'm saying? And, and so God is wearied by their complaints. Now, what are they complaining about? Well, they complain that those who do evil are accepted by the Lord. What? Okay, here's here's, what, here's what's going on. So, the God's people, Israel, is looking around and they're saying, well, it just seems like the people who do the wrong things get away with it. So, therefore, and this is the conclusion they jump to in their mind, Therefore, God must accept them because everything's going okay with them, but on my end, it's terrible. So therefore, must be that doing evil is okay with God. Now, is that a common complaint? Can you see where they're coming from with that? Okay, that, I mean, we hear those kind of things today, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, boy, it just seems like people who do wrong seem to be getting... Well, God must be okay with that, right? God must be okay with that, okay? So then the next question, the next complaint is... They also complain about the apparent absence of the Lord's justice. So where's God's justice? Why isn't he dealing with this? So I get that way sometimes. I look at the news. News will bring it out of you, Right? You look at the news and you see things, and you're like, "I why? How can they do that? How can they get away with that?" It's like there's a sense of right and wrong with us, and we're like, ah, you know, it's like, so we can relate to them. But here's what God is saying: He's wearied by them, by their continual complaining about. Now, no, let's stop for a moment because that brings up an interesting point: Are their complaints legitimate? Okay, Bruce, tell us why. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay, so they're not legitimate from the outcome of God's perspective. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, all right, that's good. How many of you heard what Bruce said? How do you feel about that? Honestly, how do you feel about that? Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Anybody else? What are you thinking? Because I haven't told you what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. Okay, all right. All right, that's that's good, John. Now, Now, let me just remind you before I tell you where I land, okay? It says here that God is wearied by it. So why would he be wearied by it if you think it's legitimate? Think about that one for a moment. Why would he be wearied by what appears to be legitimate, okay? Why would he be wearied by it? Okay, so let me tell you where I'm landing, and I, well, let me tell you as we go through, because God answers them, okay? Well, yeah, maybe, but there's something else here too, John. You're, you're getting close, okay? And then I'll tell you where I land, okay? All right? Um, uh, Yeah, part of it, yeah, that's part of it, but there's also something else going on, okay? Okay, you're like, What? Okay, let's hold on, hold on. Okay, let's, let's, let, let's let Malachi tell us, okay? It's actually a very good book, to be very honest with you, that we don't read. But, I mean, he's been answering some legitimate questions from God's perspective. So I want you to notice with me now verses one to six. Here's what he says in chapter three. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refining fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness between the against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress hired workers in their wages, the widow and the fatherless against who thrust aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says the Lord, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Israel, are not consumed. All right, so let's talk about it, okay? And we're gonna work our way through this And you're going to see why, it's interesting why he's wearied, and you're going to come to a better conclusion, okay? What are you saying, George? We're not going to have a good conclusion? Well, let's let him show you, okay? Here's what I want you to see. First of all, the Lord says that he will send his messenger to prepare the way before him. Now, what's he talking about? A messenger who will prepare the way before him. Who would that be? That's not Jesus. John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 11 verses 7 to 10 is the cross reference, okay? Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 10, there was somebody who would come beforehand and prepare the way of the Lord, okay? That was John the Baptist, okay? So the Lord would come suddenly to his temple. Now that's not Jesus in the first coming. Right? That's Jesus in his second coming now. Okay? So now it's going to switch to the very end. John came to prepare the people for what's coming. Okay, we know that. We know there's also the ministry of Jesus after that. But now in the very end, the Lord is coming to his temple. Well, let's be honest, folks. Is there a temple right now in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount? No. So we know that's in the future, right? Okay, so the Lord's coming suddenly to his temple. No one can endure the Lord's coming and no one can stand when he appears. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be mighty. God will come. All right? So the Lord will purify the priesthood of Levi and Israel's offerings will be brought to him. Okay, so what's... what's, Let's stop for a moment. Notice what he's doing. Here's how he's answering the question. He's saying, okay, you're wearing me with your complaints, but... I'm going to give you the perspective that there is someone coming and nobody's going to be able to stand before him and he's going to purify the priesthood of Israel. Do you you understand what I'm saying? He's going to purify them because are they right? No, they're not right. But they're the ones who are complaining, right? They're not right. All right, And they'll bring offerings to him. And the Lord will come near to Israel, and he will purge the nation of those who have sinned against him. So he's going to purge the nation. He's going to purge Israel of those who have sinned against him. But then here's what he expresses. He has not changed, and Israel will not be consumed in judgment. He hasn't changed. What does that mean? It means when it talks about he hasn't changed, it talks about the character of God he hasn't changed. He said that he would watch over them and protect them. He promised them certain things. He said he would bring judgment. He said he would deal with evil. He said, I haven't changed, but I'm also going to tell you, you're not going to be consumed, meaning don't be afraid because, yeah, I'm going to purify you, but don't be afraid. You're not going to be consumed, cast away, turn into stubble, because he's going to talk about that here in a moment. Do you understand? About some folks being turned to stubble. Did do you understand what stubble is? Like, when you mow the grass and it's really long and it blows out and it lays on it, that's stubble. Okay? That's chaff. Chaff from wheat that is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Gene is saying my beard is stubble. Okay, yes. that That's facial stubble there, Gene. And uh, it's not blowing away in the wind, okay? So he's expressing that they will not be consumed in judgment. So here's what I want you to see now. He's going to point out to them, because while they're doing all this complaining, he's going to shift to tell them he's wearied because you're focusing on all this stuff, but let me tell you what you're doing. So I want you to notice with me verses 7 through 12. Here's what he says. For Excuse me, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Okay, so he's saying, whoa, you guys aren't doing right either. Okay, so here's what he says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Boy, that's kind of a spiritual arrogance They're Like, how have we left you? I'm saying, how have we left? So God's going to get specific with them. Okay, He's going to say, "Will you? Will man rob God?" But you say, "How shall we return?" Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, "How have we robbed you?" He says, "In your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you." Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no need, I will rebuke the devourer for you, for if, for that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Okay, so here's what he's talking about. So let me, as I start this, I need you to forget something, first of all. What do you need me to forget? Because this is a favorite passage from a lot of folks around stewardship time where they do messages on offerings. So you've heard probably a lot of different messages from this passage just trying to make sure that you're giving. Okay, I want you to just forget all those. I want us to look at the text in the context. The text in the context. So, So when you look at the context, if you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con, right? We want to look at the text in the context. So what is the context here? The context is the people of Israel. And they were commanded by what to bring to the temple? The law, the covenant, that they swore to back in the days of Moses, that we would do these things. And so they were told, this is what you do. You bring this type of offering. You bring doves if you're poor. You bring a calf or a steer. You bring sheep. It has to be like this. You bring grain. It was an offering. You bring the first fruit. And so they were to do all of these things to the temple, and, it was, and the basis for it was to support the temple system so that the temple would continue on doing its ministry of leading the whole nation to worship. Now, the problem is, is he's saying to them, did they do that from the time of their father's? No, and they said that they would do it. Okay, so that's the context. Has nothing to do with today in the church, okay? So I don't want you to see that, okay? All right, so here's let's go through it. Here's what he wants you to see. So he points out that from the days of their forefathers, they have not obeyed his commandments. So here they are, they're like, oh, where's the justice of God? Where, 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 where are you, Lord? It seems like those who do evil are getting away with it. And now he's saying to them, okay, I'm the one who's going to bring judgment. I'm the one who's going to set everything right. I'll purify you, but I won't consume you. But by the way, you haven't been doing right since the beginning. You haven't been following my commandments, says the Lord. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, okay. There's something else going on here. That's why he's wearied. It's not that their complaints are illegitimate. It's that they're overlooking something. What are they overlooking? Their own evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? They own, their own things that they're doing wrong. And specifically here, it has to do with the worship of the Lord. And specifically in the area of their bringing tithes and offerings to the temple okay so they have not obeyed his commandment so the lord calls them to return to him and he to, to, and he will return to them see this is the thing this is doing this is not just in malachi this is throughout the scripture you get away from god god says to you you return to me i'll return to you you come back to me i'll come back to you that that's just the overall principle of god god says you come to me i will come to you all right so here it is. So here's what he. T- so they say. Well, how how have, can we return? So what do we do? I mean, how, how's it any different? Yeah, and and what they're maybe they're playing or something. The issue is he wants them to be obedient. He wants them to do what he's calling them to do. Do you understand? He wants them to be obedient. So. He points out that they have been robbing him by withholding their tithes and offerings. We already talked about that a little bit. So they're withholding their tithes and offerings. That they said they would give. Do you understand? That they said that they would give. When did they say that? Back when Moses swore them to the covenant. Do you understand? So, the Lord expresses that they are cursed and calls them to bring their tithes to the temple. So they're cursed. Again, notice something. These last, these prophets in the pre- post-exilic period use that term quite a lot, cursed. The point is, is they're enduring hardship and problems, not because of evil people, but because of who? Themselves. How do you know that? Because he's going to say that if they return to him, start doing what they're supposed to do, he's going to bless them. What do you mean? He calls them to test him and see that if he will not bless them until they have no needs. Test me. Try me out, he says. Just do what I'm telling you to do. And see if I don't take care of you is what God's saying here. In fact, here's how he's going to take, he will rebuke the devourer for Israel. What's the devourer? Well, The devourer refers to that which destroys their crops, such as locusts or hail. God's going to take care of the things that are harming them. That's what he's saying here. But you got to do what I'm telling you to do. Now, why can he, why does he say that? Well, if you remember the covenant, the covenant told them that if they did what the Lord told them to do, they would be what? Blessed in children, blessed in the fruit of their crops and their fields. God says, I will follow through on what I said. But remember, I told you that if you don't obey me, if you do your own thing, I'm going to bring, in fact, there's a whole list of curses in Deuteronomy that Moses gives them to tell them what's going to happen to them. And part of it, the curses, was oppression from people who do evil. Isn't that interesting? He's trying to bring them back to where they need to be. Okay? Trying to bring them back to where they need to be. So, so can I be honest with you? I think the message of Malachi is a whole lot better than just a tithing message because it's really talking about being obedient, right? Being obedient and having your heart right. Okay, so, and here's what will happen. When God does that, when God blesses them, because they are being obedient, all the nations will acknowledge that Israel is blessed. All the nations will acknowledge that Israel is blessed. So by the way, is, is that happening right now? Do all the nations of the world acknowledge that Israel is blessed? No, I, I don't see that in the news, do you? okay anything, they're cursing them. You don't don't understand? Why? Why? Because right now, is Israel right with the Lord? No, we know that, right? So they're still doing their own thing, right? So let's go on then. So then we get to vindication. Malachi chapter 13 through chapter 4, verse 3. So let's first of all look at verses 13 through 18. Here's what he says. Um, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve the Lord. What is the profit of keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Now we call the arrogant Blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. This is their complaints. Here's what he says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who had feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day that I will make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his sons who serve him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. All right, before we look at chapter four, let's talk about these two sections. First of all, he says that hard things are spoken. So the Lord points out that the people have spoken hard things against Him. Now, what do you think that means? Spoken hard things. What do you mean that? What do you think that means? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's like they're they're trash talking God. They're trash talking Him. You know what I'm saying? They're going one step further with their complaints and like, well, you know, hey, I guess it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So they're trash talking him. So the people stated that they, it is vain to serve the Lord, and that there's no profit in doing what's right. I'm going to be honest with you. I've, I've been pastoring. I've been, I've been a pastor for 30 years now. I've heard that from people. I've, I've heard that from people who's like, well, you know, you shouldn't, man. You know, I tried that God thing, but that doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't. I mean, it's that, just worthless. Why even bother? Haven't you heard that kind of thing before from people? You know, it seems like everything's going right for this guy over here, and he doesn't even follow the Lord. But that's not the way it is. I'm reminded of something I read years ago. It was a little story about a farmer who uh, was in a community that was a very devout community where most of the farmers around him didn't work on Sunday because they were in church. They didn't work on Sunday. They kept what they said was a Sabbath holy. But he didn't have any regard for the Lord at all. He didn't care about the Lord. He didn't do it. So he worked hard. So by the time Harvest Came came, he had a very bountiful harvest. In fact, more than the other guys who didn't work on Sunday. And so in his arrogance, he took out a full-page ad in the local paper, saying about how ridiculous they were worshipping a God who didn't bless them and that nothing but through hard work you achieve and look at where he's at and look at where they're at. And so he took out this full-page ad. The next week, there was a little bitty ad in the paper and it said, God doesn't settle accounts in October. and that's reality, isn't it? Trash-talking, God doesn't care for. And and they're like, wow, you know, it seems to be vain. And doing what right? There's no profit to it. So evildoers only seem to prosper as they test God and seem to get away with it. Isn't that what we think? Because you know people that look like they prospered even up to the very end of their life, and they're like, man, they just seem to get away with it. They never, Nothing ever stuck to them. Really? Are you sure? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because death isn't the end of it, is it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Death isn't the end of it, but so they're trash-talking God. So God's people spoke with one another. Here's what he says. The people of God, those who really... No, the Lord spoke to one another, it's not sure what was said between them, but a record was kept of those who feared him. A book of remembrance. Now, that book's important, okay? I'm going to ask you what you think that book is here in a moment, okay? But that book is important because there's a record that's kept, okay? The Lord will treasure this. those who are recorded in this book, will treasure them, And they will see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. So let me read you again what it says here. and You tell me what you think this book is. Okay, so here's what he says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. and The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So this is a book of remembrance with the names of those who what? Fear him and esteem his name and they shall be mine. So he's saying these are his. These people who are written as are his. And I will make up my your possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son. So he's saying they're not just mine, but they're a possession, and I will treat them like my what? Sons, my children. Okay, so then, okay, you ready? All right, here, let me. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. So what do you think that book is? I'm I'm here mumbling. The book of life, yes, all the way over. Revelation, chapter 19. Excuse me, it's chapter 20. This is scary, but you don't need to be afraid. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. So the records were open. Okay? And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the lake of fire. Now here's what it says. And anyone's name was, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the book of life. That's what Malachi is talking about here, the book of remembrance. And he says, then you'll see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Why? Because those who know him, their names are written in the book of life, right? And those who don't, because their names aren't written, well, their destiny is assured, right? The lake of fire. So let's go on here. All right, so what I want you to see now is the righteous are vindicated. Look with me, verses 1 to 3. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. Remember I talked about stubble, and I'm not talking about beard stubble. Okay. Uh, The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And on that day, on, on that day when I act, says the Lord, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statues and the rules I've commanded him at Horeb, For all Israel, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Okay, so let's talk about this. First of all, the righteous are vindicated. So the Lord proclaims that the day is coming when evildoers will become like stubble. And he said they'll be set ablaze. They'll be like, and it's not like this is literally, I mean, it's kind of figurative language. Its point is that they're going to be judged, okay? They're going to be judged. So the righteous will be restored to the joy as they trample down the wicked. Now, here's how he describes them as being, he talks about a young steer being led out of a stall and is bounding free in the pasture, you know what I'm saying, and, and there's excitement there, right? That I'm out of this stall, I'm, I'm I'm out of confinement. I'm able to just roam around and do what I. You understand what I'm talking about? He says that's the kind of joy you're going to be have, like freedom. Isn't that awesome? That's what he says is going to happen. And they'll trample down the wicked. Now the wicked, he says, are going to be ashes. So you're just going to be trampling down over. It's not like you trample them down. It's not like you judge them. Is that? they're not going to be an issue anymore. So the Lord calls them to remember now the law of Moses. So this is closing now. So he's going to close here. He's going to talk about the coming of Elijah. And so in his closing statement here, he's saying, I want you to remember the law of Moses. I want want you to remember what Moses told you. Okay? I want you to remember what Moses told you. Because Moses gave them everything they needed to know about what's coming in the future. Okay? So the Lord will send him Elijah, the prophet, before the day of his coming. So before the day of the Lord's coming, before the day come, Elijah will be sent. Really? Really, yeah. The prophet will turn the people's heart back to each other, lest the Lord comes in judgment. So is this something we need to look for Is Elijah? No. No, because in Matthew chapter 17, verse 12, Jesus already told us Elijah has come. Who's Elijah? Who's the Elijah who has come? Anybody? Who is he talking about? Chapter 17, verse 12. Might be chapter 11. I might have a wrong reference here. Who is it? Anybody know? We already talked about him earlier because he said, I'm going to send a messenger before me. Who would that be? John the Baptist. Yes. Hold on. Let me read you the passage. Here's here's what Jesus, is. the reference is right. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So the son of man will certainly suffer. Who's he talking about? John the Baptist, because here's what it says. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So Malachi is closing out by saying, you need to pay attention to what Moses said You need to do what's right because Elijah's coming. Elijah's coming. And he'll turn the hearts back to where they need to be. Elijah's coming. And guess what? Isn't it interesting? Last book of the Old Testament. Then there's 400 years of silence before the New Testament begins with the Gospels. And all the Gospels pretty much begin with the story of who coming. John the Baptist. Right? And Jesus would later say towards the end, right before he's taken and crucified, Elijah's already come and look what they did to him. And that tells you what they're gonna do to me. Isn't that interesting?